Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. We're back in the Putney Exchange Centre because this is where we live for podcast recording purposes. Matt is here. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm David Law. This is the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We've got loads of tennis to talk about. We've got titles for Stefano Tsitsipas, Rado Albot, Belinda Bencic, many more. Loads of talking points uh, from the Tennis Week. Uh, but first, we just want to wish a very happy birthday to Mr. John Weir on behalf of his wife Leah who has bought the gift of the tennis podcast for her husband in our Kickstarter campaign how lovely 35 years of age is John uh, a very happy birthday happy birthday John who we met at the live show last year and was a very nice guy and we wish him a very happy birthday we do yeah 35 entering his prime yeah it's it's the next 10 years are great too john right just so as you know uh, at least in my experience uh, my prime a long time ago however uh, you know still got a few years left hopefully lucky for john roger federer is redefining prime yeah well, exactly as are the williams sisters yes so. the, the best is still to come no question about it happy birthday john right tennis where do we start belinda benchich I mean, I, I feel, I'd, almost, I'd almost forgotten about Belinda Bencic. <laughs> Tell us why <laughs> Belinda Bencic uh, is so notable this week, Catherine. Well, she won the title in Dubai. She won the title in Dubai, but it's the manner. And, and this is not unusual, is it, with her? Are she, you talking about uh, Toronto 2015? Yes. Yeah, well, that was three and a half years ago. So it, it had become unusual. It's funny, she, you say you'd forgotten about her, but she did have a little little flurry at the beginning of last, last season. Year. Mm. Um, she played... She played Hopman, then what happened? Hopman Cup. Did, did she play Hopman Cup? She played Hopman Cup, she played very well. And then she drew... Didn't she draw Venus Williams in the first round of Australian Open? She in, beat her. And that was like, no one was surprised. Yeah, and Venus had reached the final the previous year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and, so, and I think I had her in my semi-finals. And, and then... It all died down again. But prior to that, she'd been off the scene because she had a horrible time with injuries. I mm. think she was one of the wrist injury brigade, um, but I don't think that was her only injury. Um, but my goodness me, what a, a gifted tennis player she is. Um, and, yeah, the manner of her her storm to victory this Who week. Did she beat? She, beat so, Kvitova in the final. So she beat four top ten players in a row to win. She beat Arena Sabalenka saving six match points. Then she beat uh, Simona Halep, then Alina Svitolina, and then finally Petra Kvitova. I mean, that's extraordinary. Now, I, I have to say, I only watched bits of her run to that title. I watched most of the other events. I think because they took place in the evening our time when I was able to watch. And Dubai is, I think, three hours ahead of the UK. So I wasn't able to watch much of the tennis uh, last week. I wasn't working on it, wasn't commentating on it. What was she doing? Because, I mean, those are, are incredible victories. Simona Halabalina, Svitolina, Petra Kvitova, uh, Arena Sabalenka, you've got some 
massive hitters, two, two of the biggest hitters in the game and two of the best retrievers in the game. So how has she done it? She's one of those um, magical players that, um, because she, well, for, for a number of different reasons, but because she plays slightly differently to most other players on tour, she seems to sprinkle stardust on all her matches. It, she seems to turn them all into great matches because you sort of almost invariably have a contrast of styles. I mean, all of those, you know, Kvitova Bencic is a, a, a dream match-up, really, on paper. Um, and a couple of those others as well. But Bencic Svitolina was brilliant as well, and that's not not quite so much of a contrast. But anyway, um, she, she's it's Hengis-esque, which I know is quite a lazy comparison, because obviously they're both Swiss and they've worked together a lot and Bencic was coached by Hingis's mum you know that's no accident that she has Hingis influences on her but she has she has a bit more power than Martina Hingis did she's not a power player but she can inject that that bit extra when she needs to but she's got all the guile as well I think her movement has improved and a little like we were talking about I think with Elise Mertens last week she she has an extraordinary ability to redirect the ball. She can, she can just change direction in an absolute instant. Um, and it's just the smooth shot making that she's got. Um, and, you know, she's quite difficult to categorise because, as you said, she's not a... You wouldn't call her a power player, but you wouldn't call her a slice and dice. She's, yeah, she's she can do everything. Shea, is she? No. Yeah, Plus, she's, she's not outrunning everybody. No. Just like Svitolina and Halep. So... What she seems to be doing is taking the ball earlier than mm. everybody else. The hand-eye coordination, the anticipation. The, the whole package ends up just being able to negate everybody else if, if it's all on. But my goodness, everything has to come together in a player that lacks those that singular weapon that, yeah. that most players can, can fall back on. But in a way, it's almost more satisfying to watch, I think, because it takes that much more to come together in order for it all to work. Yeah, and for her to have, you know, it's it's for her to be watching somebody like Naomi Osaka, who I think she's the same age as. Is I mean, she one I year older? I find it hard to believe that Belinda Benches is not 26. Yeah. She's 21. She's younger yeah. than Katie Bolter. Yeah, she's still really, you know, she was junior number one, and then she, I mean, that run in Toronto was, it wasn't quite out of nowhere because she'd been talked about as a because she'd been junior number one but in terms of the speed of the transition it was a complete surprise to, to everyone she beat Serena Williams in, in the final there didn't she that was what's so amazing about it I'd forgotten how good that run was in Toronto 2015 do you want to know the name like, the list of names she beat Bouchard Wozniacki Lesicki Ivanovic Serena Halep they had all been either Grand Slam winners or Grand Slam finalists and she beat them all. And, you know, echoes of that run again this week. Those are two of the most outlandish runs to titles, given the lack of form going in, mm. that, that you can imagine. And she seems to be a producer of singular weeks, perfectly packaged singular weeks, and then, but then what? And that's the big question mark, is whether she can... I mean, I know she's had horrible injuries, but three and a half years between the two huge weeks in her career we've seen that with certain other players before and I just wonder whether she's she's ever going to end up being able to do more than produce the occasional incredible week like that or whether she's able to and I suppose I suppose it's it comes down to physicality really doesn't it and the ability to stay fit well that's it because once you start out as a player that seems to have injury trouble they seem to plague you kind of your whole career I mean look at Kane Shikori, his body's always failing him. Milos Raonic, you, yeah. you, you see that Tanasi a lot. Tanasi you just It seems to be one hurdle after the other. So hopefully she can stay clear and then we'll be able to see whether she can produce runs like this on a regular basis because basically she hasn't been able to because she keeps getting injured. Yeah, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's at this stage unfair to categorise her as a sort of one hot streak a year player because I don't think she's had a, a chance mm. to be to be more than that so far exactly as you say so um, I'm not necessarily expecting her to win the next tournament she plays she's not favourite to win Indian Wells but 
I, I equally wouldn't expect her to revert to the the mean that she, you know the pre Dubai mean either. I do think this is a, sh- a significant shift upwards for Belinda Bencic. Yeah, and and she's also. You know the fact that she is capable of producing her these sort of weeks makes her really interesting, just a really interesting player in draws because there's kind of an established group now. I feel with the WTA who who are going deep in events. Um, okay, she didn't this week, but Naomi Osaka, Halep, Svitolina, Pliskova, they're they're not reliable necessarily to win the event, but to go deep and do well. But there's so many other players who have done things in the past that you just can't ignore you know Garbinia Muguruza has been world number one two-time Grand Slam champion Ostapenko's there add in someone like Bengcic Garcia's had big weeks and suddenly you're in a situation where you're looking at these draws and you're thinking well all of these people have got genuine credentials to do something at these tournaments and that's really exciting mm. Uh, Naomi Osaka's first tournament as world number one. Uh, first match, single match, lost it, straight sets to Kristina Mladenovic. Uh, and a very emotional press conference afterwards as well. well we, we talked about her split from Sasha Bayan last year. What did you make of it all? I think it was a blooming good win for Kristina Mladenovic. And I don't remember the last time I said those words. Not on the single score. No, um, she she had a run to the final in St Petersburg last year, but apart from that, I mean, it's been an absolute barren land for Mladenovic. Um, I don't know. I wasn't that surprised um, that she had a, a rough week in 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 Dubai. Does it worry um, you at all? Does it does does the either the performance, the result, or the press conference afterwards worry you at all for, for Naomi Osaka's what, future what worries you about the press conference or what potentially could could be worrying well was that an insight into how she's finding all of this pretty difficult to to, to handle as but I think it is difficult to handle I think I anybody would we, we just don't people, usually get the candid admission some people of find how it difficult easier it is than others don't they yeah but uh, I I think just because she's telling us about how difficult it is doesn't mean it's necessarily more difficult for her than it would be for anybody else or has been for anybody else in the past. I just think she's got this incredible um, lack of filter or not wanting to filter her. She's a very different... Well, I don't know her personally, but she seems to be a very different type of personality to, to many of the other players that we've come across who are serial winners in the past. And do you... That, that's my only concern for her is whether she's had a, a taste of this and will end up almost subconsciously shying away from it and, and being less successful in the long run as a result of it. Possibly. I mean, she could end up being a Pete sampras world number one. I mean, Pete Sampras, for example, doesn't have you know relative to what we've come to expect from the big four doesn't have that didn't have that greater record at master series events for example did he he yeah. would win one or two a year maybe but Peak he, at the slams. It, it was compared to his grand slam record very 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 different we we've come to expect it on the men's tour um you know these three slash four players just win everything you know at all levels they're completely relentless about it um so yeah maybe she's not going to mop up everything and just be a steamroller I think that's entirely possible but I don't think it means she's going to have a big drop off and suddenly not be the world's best or one of the world's best tennis players and she needs time surely to get over this and figure out her next steps and and the good thing I think is that Okay, she's got Indian Wells where she's obviously uh, defending. But after that, when it when we get to the clay, I think expectations will be a bit lower of her anyway. Okay, you know, there'll be outside pressure, but she, I don't think she'll have quite the same expectations of herself on the clay. And she can almost, not exactly hibernate for a little bit, but she can, I think, probably deal with what she's got going on during that period. And then, just like we saw last year, kind of come back for the summer hardcourt swing. I mean, I know it sounds silly to almost write off events, but as you said, I think she's going to have that ability to peak 
where you know at the most important events for her yeah I mean and I also think there's something to be said for okay you know she was very upset in that post-match press conference you know she she was she was crying it was all emotional but she's very in touch with her emotions she's very engaged with them you know she okay she she couldn't quite articulate then exactly why she was crying but she was confronting them all there and then she wasn't internalizing everything and repressing anything and and you know and i think that maybe adds to her elasticity her sort of emotion but she bounces back from stuff doesn't she you think you see this crying 21 year old in a press conference and you think oh my gosh it's all too much for her but actually I think there's every chance that it hits her so hard she'll, she'll be able to deal with Close. it more quickly rather than players that sort of take it all on their shoulders and I think do no think, I've yeah. got to be strong and, and I do feel that sometimes we saw it with Andy Murray in his possibly retirement press conference that he felt an awful lot better after he'd cried Mm. after he'd let it all out and he wasn't ashamed to I mean I think he was a little embarrassed at the time but at the same time I think he then as Simon Briggs told us spoke to them for 30 minutes and really just got it all off his chest and and I do sense with Osaka that there's a bit of the therapy session about those press conferences at times she's talking to herself she's talking to the room People, I think, on the whole, at least in the room, are sensitive to the fact that this is a young person trying to work out life a little and particularly work out life at the very top. And she's learning that that's compatible with winning Grand Slams and being world number one. You know, that post-match press conference when she lost in Brisbane, Mm. which was, you know, three weeks before she won the Australian Open and reached world number one. She was pretty upset in that, wasn't she? Mm. She was pretty upset on the match court during that. She was... I think in her own words, sulky and sullen and, and bad attitude and all of that. And then she was doubly disappointed with herself afterwards. She can go through all of that and still win tennis tournaments. And she 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 knows that about the ne- herself. The next coaching uh, appointment is going to be fascinating, isn't it? Because we were led to believe that that is likely to take place before Indian Wells starts. Everyone's sitting by the phone. That is not far away. Um, well, I'd say that has to happen this week. Yeah, maybe it's already happened and we just don't know yet. Because call, call, phone calls will have happened. Yeah. Who, who toss out some names? I, I just, do you think it will be one of the ones that's know, on the carousel? Do you know who I think it might be? And I have no inside knowledge at all. I'm just going <laughs> to throw this out there. I think it might be Sven Grunewald. Oh, so, it, so yes to one of the carousel. Um, yeah, and, and the reason I think that is because he's available because he has and look, I'm not doing him down here because he has coached some very big names um, Maria Sharapova among them most recently he's, she is from the same stable of players with IMG um, and, uh, and that tends to happen I mean look I have absolutely, I'm just throwing it out there on the tennis podcast I have no inside knowledge whatsoever but there we are I just thought I'd... he's one of those names that would be up there for you <laughs> I was know. thinking that, that was bold or stupid it's like I'm thinking that could be the most brilliant prediction ever on the tennis podcast how do I get out of it when it doesn't happen <laughs> this is like um, mine and Matt's chat about who might be the next Fulham manager right <laughs> Before you arrived, oh, David. okay. Who did we get to? It's with just that? all the, the sort of usual suspects. Who did names. you say? Sven Grunewald? <laughs> no. I think Who did Steve, we say? Clark, Steve Clark. The sort of. Oh, Steve. I don't want to insult Sven Grunewald by saying the the football managerial equivalent. No. Well. But I don't know. There are the you know there are the name there are the people that are on the on the coaching buses that you know. That have their light on. Yeah, that's a taxi analogy. You yeah. see where I'm. You see where I'm trying to go with this. Who who else is available? Well, Kasakin has just split with Philip de Hayes. Kasakin is a bit young to be a coach, isn't she? <laughs> I can see why that's ended. Because what a terrible time she's having. Yeah. What she's. I mean, I know that this can happen when you're low on confidence and and you know it all spirals doesn't it just it's the opposite of momentum um but goodness me it's been a terrible year yeah uh, i think she's won one match so far and yet he is the man who is being held up as the example of how to deliver an on-court coaching yeah when he session. said when he said you've heard of the china wall you need to be the russian wall yeah oh that feels so long ago now yeah, yeah. tell you coaching and and that was a very different message that she sent out about 
Philip de Hayes about their partnership ending to the one we saw from Osaka it was it was very heartfelt and yeah. I think it was because she wanted I think Kasakina said she wanted a break she wanted to try and do it on her own but Philip de Hayes wasn't kind of wasn't going to come back after a period of not coaching so he wants to get on and coach someone else maybe um, but really heartfelt I, I hope that that is the correct move for Kasakina. I mean, it does seem a little bit reactionary just to kind of think I need to change something so quickly. I mean, I know it's a bad start, but it is only a start. It's not the, the other, sacking the manager at Christmas, isn't mm. it? The other thing with uh, with a player like Kasakina, a little bit like with Benchich, you've got so many parts that need to be pulled together to in together. order to, to get a full picture of the player. And it's not just... Yeah, you can't say just go out there, keep belting the ball, and, and yeah. the, the timing will come eventually. If it all comes together, it's a most beautiful sight. Everything's in synchronicity, and it all just works. Something I was thinking about coaching and how we see so many coaching changes on the women's tour. Do you think the fact that you've got on-court coaching can actually almost increase the friction between a player and a coach? Because that's where the coach, you know, you're putting the coach in in the line of fire there you're saying I need you at this moment and if, it, if that's not working it's a very it's a very obvious step to say oh well the coaching isn't working absolutely yeah I, I imagine you can feel like there's more tangible cause and effect yeah um, with coaches input in those situations and also the fact that it's in the spotlight it's it's you know the, the public the public is seeing it. It's mic'd up. I think it's an advantage to the relationships where it's spoken in a language that mm. most people don't understand. Um, but and and a, and a tennis court is almost it's almost like a laboratory of human emotion, isn't it? They, they really put it all out there, and it is when I play. <laughs> Maybe if she, maybe um, the call should go into Carrillo. Oh yeah, did, did you get anywhere? Has she coached? I, I got the most wonderful email, um, and I, I, sh- I shall seek permissions to, to share more of it um, with the listening public because I, I, it, 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 it's, it all needs to be shared. Uh, but in brief, for now, I can confirm. Carrillo does coach. Oh. And did she did she accept your offer or not? <laughs> not in so many words, but she certainly didn't say not interested. Right. Okay. Well, that's a yes. Uh, so, uh, Magnus Norman, I still haven't heard from you. Um, now, <laughs> Victoria Kosmova update. Anything on her? New where segment. Were, where were we yes. last with Victoria Kosmova in Australia after she failed to meet Matt's expectations with his prediction for her to reach the quarterfinals? Yes, but she's had her breakthrough a month later than would have been helpful, oh, really. Right. What are we categorising as a breakthrough, Matt? Uh, beating Kiki Burton's. That's quite a- good. And yeah. Sophia Kenin and reaching the quarterfinals in Dubai and then getting apparently thrashed by she's Shetty made Sister. it Matt she's made it look at his smug little face honestly look <laughs> at I was him. pretty pleased he's, I must so, say. he's so delighted <laughs> and how many of her matches did you watch and how how impressed were you well I watched the scores for all of them um <laughs> The, the, the only one that was actually on centre was... You're too the, nervous to watch the actual match. Well, yeah. I couldn't find a stream. Um, but As he searched. I did. <laughs> no, but I think, I think she has... I mean, I didn't pick her completely randomly in Australia. I, there, was, there was some logic to it in that she had had quite a good season last season and she just needed some sort of breakthrough and I just thought maybe that could be the Australian Open. Um, and... You know, she, she, she had a good week in Took Dubai, her sweet reaching, time, uh, Matt. Reaching, reaching the last eight. Yeah, just a month late. Thank you, Victoria. Talking about predictions, let's get it out of the way. Catherine got it right uh, about Dan Evans reaching the semi-finals in Delray in our newsletter. She's actually punching the air in the Putney Exchange shopping centre here. Gentle uh, air punch. There are coffee shop neighbours who are wondering what the fist pump is all about. Um, you should have had more faith. Yeah. I know, well, did I did waver on predicting to reach the final but in all honesty I saw John Isner there um, standing in his way and I I, I 
didn't think he'd make it through that. So if you, if you haven't followed I, the progress, Dan Evans qualified for Delray's main draw and then flew through the main draw. Um, I think he beat Lloyd Harris for the loss of two games. Who else did he, he beat? TFO and Seppi. And yet TFO, I'm informed, was, was a match that he really shouldn't have won. TFO threw it away. He was a set and a break up, I think. I think he was a couple of points from victory, but Evans ended up getting the win. And then against Isner, he was a set down, uh, ended up winning six, six or seven games in a row to win that one. And then in the final against another guy going for his first ever ATB title, Radu Albot from Moldova, well, he had opportunities to win big, did Evans. Three match points. Three match points, yeah. And a, and a line call. And a, a dodgy line call, uh, which was overruled by Hawkeye, but because Albot had a play on the ball, they had to replay the point. And had that dodgy line call not come, I'd say... Mm, eight or nine out of ten times Evans would have won that that point we were all watching this weren't we at the same time last night at midnight we were live whatsapping yes it was very tense it really was <laughs> lots of lots of one word reactions going flying out into the ether um, and he he double faulted on Albot's first yeah. first match point which was um, a bit of a heartbreaker um, but yeah, both of them less than six feet tall and, and it was quite quite something to watch them go about attacking defending neutralizing each other's games well Just I, such asked, a different I asked type both of, of you uh, and I, I've been aware of Radio Albot for a long time his name's in the draw you know I, I, I could have picked him out of a lineup um but Doing better than me. I, I wanted to know: does, does, is, is this guy always a net rusher, or is this a tactic he's specifically crafted to take on Dan Evans? Because it was a really good one. Evans, I think, was annoyed that he couldn't do what he wanted to do because Albert was at, at the net so much, and yeah, he was he was pulling off a lot of really good passing shots, but um, it it, it neutralised a lot of. Dan Evans' uh, weapons and and craftiness, I think. Although also gave him the chance to hit some absolutely divine lobs, mm. which was a joy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there were the, the patterns of play were so interesting, weren't they? The, the heat map, I'm sure, of that court look, would look very dif- different to your average ATP tour match heat map. Mm. Yeah, sorry, sorry in advance of saying this, David, but in a choice of small guy tennis or big guy tennis, I would I would take small guy tennis. Yeah, to but watch. You, have, you haven't seen my tennis, <laughs> have you? Um, <laughs> my only prior experience of watching it's small guy tennis played by big guys, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but without the uh, the niftiness, my only or the skill. My only prior experience of watching Radu Albot was. At the, when I went to the US Open a couple of years ago, watching him play Sam Query, I was I was quite desperate for things to watch on the on the temporary Louis Armstrong Stadium, and the and the guy in front of me lost a bet. <laughs> the guy in front of me insisting that he was from Moldova, <laughs> and I just thought this is not the place for me. <laughs> I imagine it was the play. Oh, I suppose U.S. Open Query's American, but those must have been some hardcore tennis fans out there. I kind of feel like Radu Albot is is his full name is actually Radu Albot of Moldova or Moldovan Radu Albot. It's like John Isner isn't John Isner. He's six foot ten. John Isner. Yeah. Kind of you have to preface. I'm imagining. I don't want to to, to patronise Moldova, and I'm I, I'm I'm no um, I'm no scholar of their sporting successes but I imagine Radu Albot is a very big deal in Moldova and him winning that title is a very very big deal so as much as we were watching it all through a Dan Evansy lens yeah um, that's yeah it's massive for him good but, player I mean good to yeah. Mm. oh yeah brilliant really enjoyed really watching really crafty it. as I say it was a uh, yeah more matches like that please have, and, you, have um, you ever read the book written by Tony Hawks called Playing the Moldovans at tennis. I saw it, I saw that mentioned in Simon Briggs's report, and I've, I've, oh, not, really? I've not read it. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go and have a look at that comedian Tony. He's, uh, he's made it into Indian Wells Qualies. Has Dan he? Evans. Yeah. Oh yes. Last bloke in. Yes. Last bloke in. Along. That's Ernie. a good field. He's there with Bernard Tomic, Ernest Golbis, um, Riley Apelka. Riley Apelka. Yeah. Crikey. 
Yeah, it's great fields. Get your tickets now. Indian Wells qualifying is really good fun to watch because they've got all the facilities, the loads of courts. You know, you've got all these names that should normally be in a main draw that we've just uh, highlighted there. So, and he um, he spoke very candidly. Dan Evans, didn't he? After a couple of his matches, but I read some some quotes coming out after the the final yesterday. Um, I think it was in a press conference, but I saw them from um, from Richard Evans, um, colleague of ours, freelance tennis journalist who lives in Delray Beach, so always covers that tournament. And um, you know, talking about, I know we've heard him talk about you know the people he's let down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he said, "I was 41 in the world, and I threw it away." You know, that's yeah. Yeah, simple that's, really, that's everything. And, and it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's what he did do. Um, but uh, some people took umbrage at me saying it was hilarious that he could end up being the British number one at the end of the year. I, I stand by it. I think it's hilarious that here's this guy who spent years messing it up and not fulfilling his talent. Finally, fulfilled his talent, got into the world's top fifty, then completely threw it away. And within 10 months, is basically about to get back into the top 100. I think he's so motivated. He said this in Australia. Um, I think he's so motivated to not want to have to ask for a wild card into Wimbledon. Yeah. I think that's huge for him. Um, and I really respect that. I mean, I think it's partially just to avoid the awkwardness. I don't think he wants it all being dredged up again as it would be. And, and um, I, th- I think he accepts that you know it would all have to be I think he you know would accept the fact that that would be a a difficult process but he just doesn't want it and I completely respect that and he yeah I think I really think that is um, a big carrot dangling in front of Dan Evans at the moment and um, it looks probably like he'll do that I think More, more likely than not Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Rio was an incredible tournament, really. Not with a Y. Uh, not with a Y, <laughs> like our, our mascot. This is Rio de Janeiro. And uh, they had the ATP 500 event there. And it was won by Serbian player Laszlo Jer, who is not a player I knew a whole lot about before the tournament. He, he won the tournament beating Felix Auger Aliassime in the final. Uh, the young Nailed it, David. I know. I tell you, I've been listening to your pronunciation on repeat <laughs> to learn how to say it. Uh, Canada's 18-year-old who, well, a lot, a lot of hype has been going around about this guy for a long time. And yet, actually, his ranking is still just outside the world's top 100 until now. I think he's inside the top 100 now, having reached the final. But this felt like 
we'll, we'll get on to, to Gere in a minute because he has his own incredible story. But Ali Asim um, is a player that we you sort of been well when is the breakout party when's it going to happen for this kid because we keep talking about him but actually he hasn't got onto big stages very often because he hasn't been in the tournaments suddenly he's in an ATP 500 tournament you watched a bit of that man yeah well this is clay isn't it so i mean you know diff- it was different type of thing i mean the tour i mean the draw was absolute carnage because seven of the top 8 seeds went out in the first round and um, and it wasn't with all due respect, it looks like a, a really nice event. But considering it was the it was the 500 event this week, field-wise, it, it was, didn't feel no. like it and, did it. And it's it's the sort of poor cousin of all the other 500 events, yeah. which normally get really good fields. I think, I mean, the fact that it's on clay, I think, is probably a part of that. And the fact that it's in Rio, um, it's just everything about it just adds up. It doesn't really make sense to go there necessarily. Um, but yeah. Roger Aliassime, as you said, he I think he won a match at a challenger when he was 14. and Youngest ever, youngest wasn't Youngest ever. Yeah. And as and you said, so there's been this hype about him for three or four years. And Denis Shapovalov's kind of used, because they're, they're besties, he's kind of used him to deflect the hype, hasn't he? Like, frequently when he was asked about when he was first breaking through, when he was asked about how good he is and his potential, he said, oh, you think I'm good, check out my my best mate Felix because he's better than me yeah it was like a Venus Serena kind of yeah. thing wasn't it um, but you know if, if Orger Aliasim had won this he would have had a title and Denis Shapovalov is I think he's the highest ranked player without a title Denis Shapovalov Ooh, good start. Um, I said he'd reached the final this not. week um, he lost in the first round <laughs> but, but I, I, I've not watched a huge get amount the newsletter there folks <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of nuggets like that in there anyway go on carry on I've not seen a huge amount of Orger Aliasim so I asked on Twitter what, what is it about him from those who have have seen you know why is he being tipped for stardom kind of thing and the main thing most people said is the movement I mean and the fact that he's got I mean you watch him and he he's he's kind of always on the attack because he's so fast and he can get to every ball he and looks he, like he's got an extra split second yeah to, to the other players and he and he has got you know a really good skill set for someone of his age um, and, and somebody replied saying he's anatomically perfect for, for tennis there are I know it takes all sorts and you know yeah. look at look at the big three Federer Nadal Djokovic they are all <laughs> completely different body types however you know there is that kind of um, you know if you take Roger Federer he, he's he's not had to kind of adapt his body to make it more perfect for tennis in a way that Nadal has yeah. you know he's made himself into a brilliant tennis player but Roger Federer seemed to come out of the womb with the perfect proportions for a tennis court I used to think the same about Tommy Haas there was something about sort of the shoulder proportions and leg to torso ratio I don't know just it just looks right he was born in 2000 oh. <laughs> I mean how sickening is that Anyway, A. Miller, you're right, says moves well, deflects power well, has excellent court sense, anticipation, great things to see in any player, seen too seldom, seldomly amongst men and sporadically seen elsewhere. Uh, Brian says he has the prototype tennis body. Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. Uh, there you go. So, yeah, lots of things... Uh, predicted for Felix Auger Aliassime I'm just going to keep saying it because now I've learned how to do it <laughs> I want everybody to know what about Laszlo Auger who beat him in the final 23 years of age um, for a start very good tennis player but really I think what everybody's talking about afterwards is the and we were sort of given a little bit of advance notice that he got this incredibly emotional backstory of having lost both of his parents uh, to cancer his dad very recently in the last few months and as he said in his on-court speech afterwards his mother seven years ago and the the reaction of the other players to that speech when it was put out on social media everybody coming out because I mean look you know everybody whether you've lost parents or whether you haven't you I imagine can put yourself as a human being in this guy's shoes and imagine or try to imagine what 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 it must be like and that there the, the could be nothing worse really um and i don't know it was it was quite, i found it quite moving the way everybody was just uh, reacting to his his reaction and uh, and well congratulations to him on, on his victory and and yeah it was it was it was really quite a quite a scene to witness 
Yeah, I mean, he obviously had the kind of outpouring of emotion in, in the speech, but we saw it with Steve Johnson, didn't we, a couple yeah. of years ago. I mean, I, I can barely think about a couple of the ma- a couple of matches he played um, where he, you know, was just sobbing on court um, not long after losing his dad. And, um, yeah, his, his career's not been the same since. So, um, yeah, and Roberto Bautista Agut as well, another one. He lost yeah. both his parents in really quick succession, didn't he? Um, yeah, it, it, it happens and, and they yeah the, I, th- I think Steve Johnson talked about sort of carrying on playing because he just didn't know what what else to do yeah. you know didn't you can't sort of get off the treadmill and just sort of sit there but equally I mean it must just and be I'm sure, I'm sure everybody anybody with a heart is moved by the thought of this guy and what he was saying having lost his, both of his parents but seeing Nick Kyrgios and Grigor Dimitrov whose parents are, are very involved with them and, and, and on the scene and, and very visible supports you know you, you, you got the sense that they just it just stopped them in their tracks to think crikey you know I'm so lucky to have my, my parents able to, to at least experience this with me and um, and yeah it was, it was at least nice to see that on a human level that they're, they're looking out for one of their, their colleagues who, who's, uh, who's triumphed despite what, what he's been going through so congratulations to Laszlo Gere uh, what, what sort of player is he Matt? Well he was uh, I mean he was a player less on my radar than a player that, that child is not a fan of. Um, <laughs> he's got he's got that Serbian thing that they all seem to have of an amazing backhand, um, and he's just steady. Uh, you, I mean, you have to beat him because he's he's steady, and you know it, it feels kind of insignificant almost when you when he's gone through what he's gone through. But this is a this is a result that completely changes the complexion of his career. Yeah, he's 37 in the world now. Suddenly so, he's in every slam. He's in all the Masters series. Yeah. Huge, huge deal. So, you know, Yeah, but there's a, him, a few really. ATP players thinking, well, I wish I'd entered Rio. 500 tournament with a, with a, a, a less stacked field than you might expect and it became even less stacked after a couple of days. A big opportunity missed for Cameron Norrie. Yeah, um, he lost, he lost, he lost out. in tie breaks, didn't he? He really had yeah. match points in the first round. He lost to Jaume Munar, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, he's the champion in Rio. The champion in Marseille is Stefanos Tsitsipas, who'd had a, a quiet couple of weeks, lost in the first round in Rotterdam. Um, came into Marseille, and I think, Matt, you were saying that he wasn't even sure that he would actually take his place in the draw. Well, when he lost to... I think it was Demir Jumo he lost to in uh, Rotterdam and he, he gave a little bit of a techy press conference I think and he kind of said you know he, he did that thing that Zverev has done before and said oh he didn't really beat me I lost to him myself it was kind of all my own fault and then he I think he put out the line I might I probably won't even play Marseille next week which he'd been Sintram and Novak Djokovic saying that about <laughs> yeah. Wimbledon <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um and then he goes and wins it. Um, I don't think he dropped a set. And I didn't really have it indoor down as thinking that would be one of his best surfaces, really. But both, of his, both of his titles have now come indoors. I just think you know, he's got quite long swings. and mm. um, But clear, I mean, but that's great because he's, I mean, he's, what, he reached the Barcelona final on clay. He's, he can play on grass, that, he can play that's everywhere. That's what excites me, whereas yeah. I, I feel like when I'm watching another single-hander with an extravagant game in, in Dominic team, mm, exactly. I always feel as though he needs room. I don't actually think that Tsitsipas needs no. space and room to play his game. He he can shorten his swings, he can deflect the ball, his timing, and also his attitude. His attitude is one of, no, I'm not going to be pushed around, I don't care who you are. And I love that. Well, he did that to Federer, didn't he, in the Australian Open? He stood on the baseline and just said, I'm going to, you know, the way Federer takes time away from people, he kind of did that to Federer. Um, and I watched the final against Mikhail Kukushkin, who was playing really, really well and looking like he was going to push that to a third set. And Sitsipas has just, he's got this uncanny ability to just sense a moment and rise to an occasion. And in both sets, he just right at the end of each set he just turned it on and that's such an important skill to have because it means you don't get 
involved in these sort of pointless three setters. You you mentioned uh, the Rotterdam presser. It does occur to me. We've I think we've talked about this before, but he, my goodness, he's playing a lot. Said yeah. Sebastian. Well, mm-hmm. we said that in Australia, didn't we? You. We had a look at his, his planned schedule, and, and that was before he ended up. He's going to Dubai being a surprise now. Surprise semi-finalist in in Australia, um, and it looked like a lot. And it, you know, it looked team-esque. And you know, Shapovalov's played a lot. Um, you know, is playing a lot, and you know, we know what it, it's like. And it, you know, it's understandable. You you break through suddenly. You're being offered appearance fees everywhere. You know, life changes very very quickly, and and there's that period of. You know, the more you win, the more you're playing. And it's exciting. <laughs> Last year, he was entering tournaments and probably only expecting to play one or two matches at those tournaments. Whereas now, he's expecting really to play five-ish matches at a tournament. It's 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 really different. And I think obviously he will probably have to get to a stage where this sort of thing doesn't come into it. But I think the reason he played Marseille, as he said in his speech, is that the tournament director there gave him a wild card two or three years ago when he was upcoming, and he kind of feels maybe a bit of a responsibility to kind of you know pay that back in a way yeah. um, which I really respect Vitova did that with them St. St. Petersburg, Petersburg. Yeah. she ended up pulling out last year didn't she um, she was committed to play and pulled out and she really wanted to fulfil that and Andy Murray with uh, Brisbane this year I, I think we discussed that I think probably he might have preferred to play Hotman Cup, Cup but went to Brisbane because he ended up um, reneging on his commitment last year I do think as well I don't th- as tired as Sitsipas might feel and, and look he's probably going to learn to, to schedule his, himself differently in the future but all of this winning at these levels I think it, these are building blocks I, I felt like it was a really big deal that he won the next gen finals mm. when he entered it he was the top seed he needed to go and win that thing and he did and he won his first title in Stockholm comes out has his big run at the Australian Open how often do you see the player that has the big run in the Australian Open then just go completely missing for six months you know and he, he hasn't okay he had a couple of lean weeks but he's back on it he's gone and won a, a title at a, at, a, at a lower level um, and now he comes in who knows whether he'll do much at, in Dubai in New Wales Miami and all these sort of places but it's just the foundations that he's building um, and I, I'm mightily impressed with him Roger uh, Federer is on court is he? speaking of Dubai oh yeah um, he is 2-1 with a break against Philip Kohlschreiber in soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis news. Oh, yeah, great. It means he skipped the Oscars this year. That right. must have been painful for Serena him. Williams, didn't she? She uh, was there. She was there, not just at the after-party, but in the actual thing. Introduced to Star is Born. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good gig. Yeah. Good gig. Sharapova only got to go to the after-party. Oh, right. I didn't get to go at all. No. I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I wonder if Federer got an invite and turned it down for Dubai or whether he's playing Dubai because the Oscars offer <laughs> never came in. Dubai's local. I don't know how I don't know how it works out with things like that. I mean, do you get your agent to make a call and say I'd like to go or do you just have to sit by the phone? And bit awkward. Dunno. Isn't it? I mean Not a problem we have. <laughs> <laughs> or ever will. <laughs> no. no. Unlikely. Uh, so D- Dubai and Acapulco, both 500s going on at the same time. So we've got Federer in Dubai. I think he's second seed, isn't he? Because I think Nishikori is the top seed. And in Acapulco, Nadal is the top seed. And I mean, some people were trying to suggest to me that this isn't an easy, isn't a tough draw. My view was that, okay, Mishisverev, I know he hasn't been on the greatest run in the world lately, but, you know, he, he's a tricky-ish kind of player. Kyrgios Seppi's a good Kyrgios or Seppi in the second round would be Nadal's opponent uh, and the winner of that may be to play Stan Wawrinka sorry but that is a horrible draw isn't it yeah oh here we go go on well Zverev isn't a bad draw in the first round right. and then I would say there's a good chance he's playing Andreas Seppi in the second round you probably wouldn't say that's a terrible draw um, but yeah Wawrinka third round that's a bad draw what do you think I just don't know what to make of I mean, it's Kyrgios, isn't it? Kyrgios, it, it, it lost to Radu Albot. He's the he's the one in there. If you're if you're kind of positive about Kyrgios and you think he's still got that ability to turn it on, that's a nightmare draw. But if you're you know glass half empty, then he could have got Emilio Nava followed <laughs> by Peter Gajovchik. Hey, Gajovchik's a good player. Yeah, but I've never Kyrgios, heard of the guy he? he's playing in the first. There are a few. I've just noticed in the draw there are two players I've never heard of. Federico so yeah, it, could, it could have been better. See, I'm right. Is Zverev Popperin first round? 
I, I like the look of Popperin, who um, yes. third round in Australia took Pui to five, five sets. Streak, streaky, streak. I mean, literally, not literally, but not streaky in terms of form, streaky in terms of physique. David Law's giving me a, a stare. <laughs> <laughs> What's she banging on about? Uh, Dominor's in the draw, Tiafo. It's kind of like the, this is like the sort of Queen's Haller equivalent week for the 500s. We've got two really good 500s going on at the same time. Yeah. Which one Both would you play? Out of Dubai a- and Acapulco. Acapulco in Dubai. Oh, I'd go to Acapulco. I'd go to Acapulco. Yeah, yeah. especially with Indian Wells next. Yeah. No, I mean, no. I'm sure Dubai has some big bucks. But, yeah, but Acapulco looks great, Acapulco looks it? outrageous. That looks like a cracking night out. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the... Um, Tennis centre is basically on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Shrouded oh. in palm trees. Yeah. It looks great. Anybody got any flight details? <laughs> How far is it? <laughs> well, our friend, our, our friend Matt, who's a cameraman for the HP Tour, is having. Is he going loco? Yeah. His Instagram story is just white parties, <laughs> shrimps, and. How do you watch Instagram stories? Are they like books? online oh, or something. Oh, right, uh, so I think that's about wraps it up for another tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph, uh, executive produced by TennisBalls.com uh, with our uh, mascot, Rio, with a Y. Uh, Catherine, Matt, lovely to talk to you. Um, and uh, we'll be back with another t- tennis podcast very soon. See you then. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.